Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. It's a special edition today. Very special episode. I'm getting in the mood. I'm getting excited because that's right, it's the World Cup. It's World Cup fever, ladies and gentlemen. It's happening all around us. You can't avoid it, can you? You've got no choice. You might as well just get into it and enjoy it. It's everywhere. It's on the TV. It's on the radio. It's all over the internet. You can't do anything because the World Cup's happening all around you. It's exciting. It's an international festival. It's incredible. There are no problems when the World Cup's going on. Well, maybe there are a few problems. But anyway, never mind about that. At the beginning of this episode, let's keep it light-hearted because it's the World Cup. World Cup fever's gripping Luke's English podcast, and I'm very, very glad to be able to talk to you about it. Yes. Now, I have been preparing podcasts on other things lately, but that just has to stop, because nothing else can happen at this moment. Why? Because it's the World Cup! You may have noticed, actually, you might have noticed. I think that there is a law actually going around that says that 75% of anything at the moment must be about the World Cup, okay? 75% at least of anything. That's 75% of conversations, television, radio, newspaper articles, commercials, just food, pets, weather, geography, elephants. That's right, 75% of elephants now have to be about the World Cup. That's right, if there's an elephant near where you are, You've got to paint 75% of it in World Cup colours. You've got to paint it green and yellow and blue because that's right, the World Cup is in Brazil this year. It's a big Brazilian thing. It's all about Brazil. The eyes of the world are there on Brazil. What are you going to do, Brazil? How's it going to go? Huh? How are you holding it? How are you holding out there? I know it's been a bit troublesome. It's been a bit tricky, but it's happening. There's nothing you can do about it now. It's certainly happening. Hmm. So, let's see. I th- I've stopped the music because now I'm going to talk to you properly without uh, distraction in the background. Okay, so, um, yes, everything has to be connected to the World Cup in some way at the moment. It's just an unwritten global law, it seems. Um, if I talk about anything else on the podcast at this time, then there's a danger that it'll just go in one ear and come out of the other. Because, you know, there is only the World Cup. That's it. So, it has to be dealt with on Luke's English Podcast. So, let's do this. Let's get down to business. Let's talk about the World Cup. Don't think, I hope you don't think that I'm at all reluctant to talk about it. I'm not. I love football. I really love the World Cup. Well, most of it. There are some things that I don't like about it. uh, And we'll come to that stuff later on. Uh, But... um, I'm not reluctant to talk about it by any means. It's just that it's a massive topic, and I've been wondering how to cover it properly. 
Um, what, do you, what am I talking about? Well, basically, people have been writing on my Facebook page. They've been writing on my website. They're like, when are you going to talk about the World Cup? Please do a World Cup podcast. If you don't do a World Cup podcast, then it's not really the World Cup, is it? The World Cup doesn't properly begin until Luke from Luke's English Podcast has done an episode or, or three about it. So, well, that's what I'm doing now. It's such a big topic that I've just been wondering how I'm going to cover it properly. There's all sorts of issues. I've decided that I'll just ramble on about it and I'll do my best to make it accurate and well-informed. Please be aware that I am an English teacher, podcast, comedian, musician, but not necessarily an expert on the world of international football. But I will do my best to talk about football with the level of knowledge and expertise that you might expect from most ordinary people in the UK. I have basically a, a normal level of knowledge of this subject. So I suppose listening to this episode is a bit like talking to a guy in a pub about it or chatting to a guy you know at work or at school, just like the sort of conversation that you're likely to have in the real world. Um, it's To be honest, it's pretty rare that you get to talk to a football journalist or an expert about the World Cup, isn't it? Yes, it is. Unless, of course, you're married to one or something like that. Saying that, of course, there are other World Cup podcasts that you could listen to if you wanted to. If you wanted to be unfaithful and cheat on me and go off and listen to some other podcast, uh, here are some that you could listen to. There's the Guardian Football Weekly podcast. By the way, you can find links to these things and a kind of transcript or most of a transcript for the things I'm saying in this episode. Um, so go to the website, my website, teacherluke.co.uk and find this episode and there you'll find links to these podcasts I'm talking to you about. So there's the Guardian Football Weekly podcast, which is very in-depth and very well made, but it's not produced with learners of English in mind. So you might find it a little bit difficult to, to, to get into. It's, it's meant for people living in the UK. Um, there's... Um, you can go to a, a website called languagecaster.com, languagecaster.com, and they have loads of stuff about learning English via football. In fact, that's the main thing they do. It's a website and a podcast all about learning English with football. Sounds good, doesn't it? Um, so you can have a look at that. Um, there's also the British Council Premier Skills English website, which is a site devoted to um, loads of resources to help you learn English associated with football. All the language of football. There are so many expressions and so many expressions related to uh, describing football, talking about all the aspects of the game. You can learn a lot of it on the British Council Premier Skills English website. Then, of course, there's Luke's English podcast. This episode, but also other episodes. In the past, I did one called English Premier League Football in which I spoke to an English friend of mine named James Simpson, and we talked about the Premier League. So there's loads of stuff on uh, the Premiership there. Um, and, uh, of course, future episodes of Luke's English Podcast. I expect that I will be talking more about the World Cup in the next couple of weeks, and this episode might be separated into several parts. It depends on how long it is. Also, I will make a podcast with your comments too, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. Now, if you're not a football fan, well, in this episode, you'll just have to enjoy the words 
that are coming out of my mouth. If you're not captured by the subject, you'll just have to enjoy the noises of British English. You might, maybe you'll just sort of zone out a little bit and just enjoy the sounds of the words of English being produced by a human. I don't know, really. Um, but anyway, you're just going to have to put up with it. But um, um, I, I will be looking at both sides in this podcast. You know, I'll be looking at um, both sides. I'll be talking about all the positive aspects of, of football and the World Cup, uh, dealing with, you know, certain things about this particular World Cup so that you'll know how to talk about it. But also I'm going to um, talk about some of the criticisms of football and the World Cup in this episode as well. Okay, so you'll get both sides. So if you hate football, don't worry, because I'll be, you know, um, dealing with your side of the argument as well. Um, now, it's as I record this episode, it's about one week into the competition. Three-week competition, I believe, unless I'm horribly wrong about that. So it's a three-week competition. Um, and I'm going to talk about how it's going so far after one week. Now, of course, it's very hard for me to make any big statements at the moment, because everything could change. By the time you listen to this, everything could be different. I realise that. So, you know, I'm not going to make some grand predictions or, or, or whatever, because we never know. That's the nature of the World Cup. It's full of surprises. Anything could happen. Anyway, let's, let's talk about football. Okay, let's talk about the World Cup. Um, here is what I'm going to deal with in this episode. I'm planning to do another one very soon, by the way, in which I will respond to comments which some of you have left in my forum. Um, you can read that forum and leave me messages until Thursday afternoon. This is Wednesday now I'm that I'm recording this. Um, so you can read the forum by clicking uh, the link on my website. Just go to, or you can just go to teacherluke.co.uk and click the menu item that says discussion forums and, and click, keep clicking and you'll find the one that says um, World Cup comments. Okay, right. So here's what's going to happen in this episode or maybe this one and, and the, the following one if it gets divided into two. So first, number one, what does the World Cup mean to me? My personal uh, sort of take on it. Secondly, what is the situation at this time. Let's look at the groups. Let's look at the teams. Who looks strong? What's going on? I'm also going to give you a kind of basic idiot's guide to the World Cup 2004. Fine. You can use that. If you don't know what you're talking about, if you kind of think, oh, you know, everyone's talking about the World Cup, but oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't worry. Listen to this. I'll give you the basics. Okay. Uh, thirdly, I'm going to focus on England. There's going to be an England section where I just talk about England and what's going on with them. Because I know that, obviously, you know, most of you will support your nation's teams. But a lot of people are rooting for England in this World Cup. England tends to be quite a popular team out there. And obviously, this is Luke's English podcast. I'm an England fan. I'm a proud fan of the Three Lions. Uh, number four. Um, let's have a little look at some of the changes to the rules which are going on in this World Cup. Number five, I'm going to talk about the dark side of the World Cup. Some of the controversial aspects of the World Cup 2014. Uh, we'll have a look at that. And number six, I'm going to give you my brief history of the World Cup. Okay, because I, I feel like it's important to kind of go through the historical context of it as well. And there were so many dramatic and sort of interesting moments in history. Okay, let's start with the first item on that list. 
What does the World Cup mean to me? Well, of course, it's an international celebration, isn't it? It's great fun to get caught up in the excitement. It brings people together. It's a time when we forget our differences and we let problems get settled on the football pitch instead of out in the real world. It's also nice to see all those hot girls from around the world on TV sometimes, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? On the more serious side, the World Cup is becoming more and more controversial, basically, I think, because of FIFA and the allegations of corruption that surround the organisation, and also the civil unrest in Brazil around their hosting of the competition. Um, If you're in Brazil and and you're listening to this, um, I'd like to know what it's like from your point of view, so do leave comments on this episode. Obviously, I welcome comments from everyone else too. Uh, Let me know what you think, what what you think of the, the, the World Cup so far. I'll give you more on the sort of controversial stuff later on. Right now, let's focus on the football and leave the politics until later. Um, I'm going to give you my my uh, World Cup story, okay? Now, I was born in 1977. That's right. I'm 37 years old. Um, born in 1977. So I have seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is my 10th World Cup, ladies and gentlemen. 10th World Cup first one in 1978 I, I was one year I was just one one years old no one year old uh, at that stage so I wasn't really old enough to appreciate the finer aspects of um, the beautiful game at that time in fact I wasn't really able to appreciate anything except like milk and sleep and and stuff like that so didn't really enjoy the 78 World Cup 1982 didn't really enjoy that one either the only thing I remember from the 1982 World Cup is that someone probably my uncle or something bought me some like uh potato snacks I was like what five all I remember is being given these little kind of corn potato snacks like a packet of crisps or something and it was like a World Cup themed packet it had like uh, the crisps were round balls, like a sort of corn, salty corn snack, and they were all little footballs. That's it. That's the only thing I remember about the 1982 World Cup. I'll tell you more about the history of all these these tournaments later on. I'm just giving you my personal uh, story right now. Okay, 1986, uh, England uh, lost to um, Argentina. I was, um, let's see, I was nine years old. I just remember watching it, but I wasn't really old enough to appreciate it. 1990, Italia 90, that's the one that really grabbed me. Um, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all this stuff in my World Cup history, which is going to be the, the end. So, um, basically, I'm a massive football fan, love football. The World Cup's very exciting. I met uh, a famous footballer once. Um, I met a guy called... Uh, it's difficult to pronounce his name. Hai Hai de Oliveira. He's the he's the brother of uh, Socrates, the Brazilian superstar. Um, Hai de Oliveira. He was a. So I'm just name dropping now. You know that I'm just name dropping. But still, it was exciting. Um, when I used to teach at the London School of English, we had uh, Hai come to the school for about a year, and he studied English with us. Hai was a Brazilian. He was the captain of Brazil at the beginning of the 1994 World Cup campaign. Um, he scored a goal in their opening match. He, um, he's, he's also famous for playing in the Sao Paulo team and also playing um, at uh, Paris Saint-Germain as well. 
all right do you know who he is anyway he's a bit of a star and um, so I taught him English lovely guy lovely lovely bloke when I taught him he was in a kind of pre-intermediate class um, nice guy very popular with the ladies all the ladies were very pleased to to be uh, in the same class as him as I'm sure you can understand um, and every Wednesday with the school we used to play football we had like a football club on Wednesday afternoons and guess what Haida Oliveira came down to one of our games and um, played football with us. I was on his team. I've played football with a Brazilian World Cup winner. That's right. That's my claim to fame. Um, it was quite a funny game because, of course, when he went, everyone else decided, I'm going to play football today because of Hai. And uh, so we had Hai on the team. I, I know I can't say his name properly, but there you go. We had him on the team. And also we had this Taiwanese guy who had never touched a football in his life he was on the same team as a world cup winner what a great team that well that was the dream team and so this guy who'd never touched a football before was uh you know on the same team as this world cup winner uh, I'm, I'm not sure what high thought of this he was probably thinking this isn't quite the classic squad that i was part of in 1994 the one that lifted the world cup no instead i'm playing with this guy who doesn't even know what a football looks like. Um, that was fun. Anyway, right now, let's have a look at the World Cup now, the 2014 World Cup. Let's have a look at the groups, okay? Now, to help me here, I'm quoting, I'm going to be quoting from a very useful article which I found on a website called slate.com. And the article is called How to Fake Your Way Through the Tournament Like a Champ. Okay, and it's a kind of dummy's guide to the World Cup 2004. So if you don't know a lot about the World Cup, this might help you. Um, since the article was written, some things have changed. Like, you know, some matches have been played and the groups have changed a little bit. And of course, they're still changing now because games are being played every day. But it will give you a good idea of the context, the general context of the World Cup. And it'll give you some things to to talk about if you're not an expert on the on the subject so um let's have a look um group a okay group a let's look at some talking points this one's easy by the way you can find a link to this article on my website i'm reading a lot of the article directly from the page here so you can kind of use it as a transcript i suppose this one's easy group a apparently is easy brazil according to this article brazil will win the group and then it will win the World Cup, or at least it should. Goldman Sachs um, has given the Brazilian team um, the Selatsau. I don't know how to pronounce the nickname of the Brazilian team. But anyway, the Goldman, Goldman Sachs have given Brazil a 48.5% chance of winning the tournament. This is because host countries tend to perform very well. Having won the, the tournament six times out of 19. So um, most of the time, uh, host countries will win the World Cup, all right? They have a massive advantage. According to Goldman Sachs, a home field advantage is worth 0.4 extra goals per game, plus home continent advantage is worth an additional 0.2 goals per game. That's a significant built-in edge. So this could be a South American tournament. Either Brazil are going to win as the host nation or one of the other South American teams will win. Maybe Argentina. Um, so everyone else in Group A, Cameroon, Croatia and Mexico is playing for second place. Remember, this was written at the beginning of the tournament. 
You should also know that Brazilians are not happy with hosting this World Cup. Apparently, many Brazilian people are not happy with being the hosts. There is a sense in the country that the rough, the roughly $11 billion cost, the, the $11 billion cost of hosting the tournament could have been better spent on the nation's neglected infrastructure. That's why there's been uh, a lot of civil unrest in in, in uh, Brazil, riots and so on, because people are understandably upset that $11 billion has been spent on building stadiums and so on, when, in fact, there are plenty of people in the country who need that money. They need it to be spent on other, much more useful resources. So that's one of the controversial things about this World Cup. Now, since um, this article was written, things have changed in Group A, because you might know that, um, let's see, well, Brazil won their first game against Croatia, but then um, yesterday, I saw this on TV, they failed to beat Mexico. Mexico beat Cameroon in their first game. So what we've got is basically Brazil in first place, as expected, but they don't have more points. Brazil and Mexico uh, both have four points, but Brazil are in the lead based on goal difference. Okay. So it's not a clear lead for Brazil, but we'll see what happens. Right, let's carry on um, and look at Group B. Um, Okay. Group B, some of the talking points. So Group B... We're looking at um, we're looking at uh, at the moment it's the Netherlands, Chile, Australia, and Spain in that order. Netherlands got Netherlands and Chile have both got three points. Australia have nothing, and Spain have nothing too. Spain are at the bottom. The World Cup holders are currently at the bottom of their table. So talking points. Remember this was written before the World Cup started. Spain has been the world's greatest team for the past six years and is one of the greatest collections of talent ever in international soccer. They are attempting to defend their World Cup title and become the first team to win four consecutive major tournaments. They've also won the last two European championships. They won the last World Cup playing a beautiful style of possession and short-passing soccer known as tiki-taka, but have shown the ability to shift tactics as the situation required in recent years. Brazil crushed them 3-0 in the final of the Confederations Cup last year, a normally normally meaningless tournament that took on actual significance when the two 2014 favourites met in the final game. So uh, the writer of this article quite fancies Spain, but we know that Spain were shocked in their opening game by losing to the Netherlands Um, and so that's upset things for Spain they're now at the bottom of the table table and everyone's now looking at the Netherlands as if they could be contenders for the uh, the the final Um, let's get back to the article we also have other teams in that group the group also contains a potent Chile squad and 2010 runners-up the Netherlands Chile has a brilliant forward named Alexis Sanchez, who does, who does things, who does amazing things for his club side Barcelona. The Netherlands are probably the weakest of the three favourites, but any of them could potentially win the group and make a run to the final in the non-Brazilian half of the draw. Um, okay, apparently the Netherlands are the weakest of the three favourites, but that's not how things have turned out. But we know that anything can happen in the World Cup. 
let's see, whoever finishes second in the group will likely to have to face Brazil in the second round. You know the way it works that the winner of one group will have to face the runner-up of another group. Okay, for example, the winner of Group A faces the runner-up of Group B, I believe. Um, so it's not good to come second in a group because you're going to face the winner of, of another group. So it's, it's really important to finish at the top of a group so that you've got a better chance in the second round. By the way, the, in English, the rounds are um, described like this. First, we call it the group stage or the group stages. Then we have the second round. That's the, the last 16 teams, the last 16 or the second round. After that, we have the quarterfinals. That's the final eight teams. Then the semifinals or just the semis. And that's the last four teams. And then, of course, the final after that we also have a kind of um another game after the final which decides who is placed in the third and fourth positions um let's see um australia will finish last in the group sorry um okay sorry socceroos a socceroo that's the nickname of the Australian teams. They're known as the socceroos, uh, like kangaroos, but with soccer. By the way, you might at this point be thinking, what's the difference between the word soccer and the word football? And isn't the word soccer used by the Americans? Well, yes, it is. Um, the, the Americans tend to call football soccer because obviously in the USA, football is American football, you know, the one where they actually throw the ball. And some people think well, that doesn't make sense, you know, particularly British people, they get very sarcastic about this and start to complain that the Americans, you know, have got it wrong and they shouldn't be calling it football. Like, well, you know, football, it's pretty simple, isn't it? There's the foot, there's the ball, you use, you kick the ball with your foot, football, football. You know, you're not using, it's not handball, um, and they say things like, well, the, um, in American football, it's not a ball, is it? It's more like an egg. And you don't use your feet very much, so you should call it like hand egg. Hand egg. No? Well, um, and, and also British people tend to be a little bit disparaging about the term soccer. It's not soccer. It's football. Don't give me any of that American rubbish. Well, the fact is, I looked at, at the history of the word soccer, and in fact, the word soccer is originally a British word. Um, soccer refers to association football, which was the original name of, of football um, as, a, as a differentiation from rugby football. Association football is just the original um, term for football as we know it now. Association, so association there it, be, it ended up be, becoming a soco or let's see i did have a link for that anyway the origin of the word soccer comes from the word association meaning association football and the british started to call it soccer as a an abbreviation of association football so it's a british word so don't uh, in british people um who think that they have are in the right about this soccer football thing think again because it's actually a british word it's ironic isn't it you know it's, it's ironic the, sometimes i must admit the brits can be a little bit arrogant about the language they think that they're automatically right but they're not it's not always the case is it no it's not um where are we let's go back to the uh let's go back to the situation here of the the world cup groups um just trying okay all right so uh, a bit of historical context as mentioned spain beat the netherlands in the last world cup final so um you know that uh in their first game the netherlands smashed spain 4-1 it was an amazing game so maybe that was a little bit of payback there a little bit of payback um let's move on to group c 
And Group C looks like this. We have Colombia, the Ivory Coast, Japan and Greece. Colombia and the Ivory Coast are both uh, both on three points. Colombia first on goal difference, then Japan and then Greece. Japan got beaten 2-1 in their opening game. That was a pity. I'm kind of, you know, rooting for Japan as well, of course, because, um, you know, I like the Japanese. They were my, uh, it was my home for a couple of years. Um, so, talking points. Colombia would have, Colombia would have been the clear favourites for this group and probably still should be considered as such. But their goal, their star goal scorer, Radamel Falco, was, um, was forced to withdraw from the team on the eve of the tournament because of a knee injury. Oh dear. Ivory Coast, meanwhile, is led by one of the top five players in the world, Yaya Toure, who carried Manchester City to the Premier League title this year. Toure's occasional appearance of slackness, that means laziness, on the pitch, belies his deadly combination of size, strength, quickness and control. So sometimes it can seem like Toure's a bit of a lazy character on the pitch, but actually um, he's actually very formidable because he's big, he's strong, he's quick and he's got great control of the ball. He's like a tiger waiting for the exact right moment to pounce. And when he does, it can be a religious experience, according to this article. Uh, apparently, according to this writer, Japan and Greece are boring. Well, that's a pity, isn't it? Um, um, let's see. If you if you disagree with this, leave a comment. If you agree, leave a just leave a comment. Okay, I'd like to know what you think. Um, let's see. Let's move on. Let's move on to Group D, uh, and Group D uh, looks a bit like this. This is the Group of Death. They call it the Group of Death. This is what the English media have been calling it, the Group of Death, because this is England's group, and apparently it's a tough group. And in this group, we have Costa Rica, Italy, England and Uruguay. Why is it the group of death? Probably because, well, we've, England are facing Italy and Italy are one of the top nations, footballing nations in the world. They've got a very strong team. They're very difficult to beat. They've got a very strong defensive record. And then we're facing Costa Rica and Uruguay, both of them South American teams. So they've got that sort of host continent advantage. Also, just very good footballing nations. Uh, Uruguay, people, I think, uh, considered Uruguay to be stronger than Costa Rica, even though Costa Rica actually uh, beat Uruguay in their first game. Let's have a look at this article. What does it say about Group uh, D? Um, so it says Italy plays England in what in what should be a thrilling group opener. And it was, wasn't it? I don't know if you saw it, England versus Italy. Unfortunately, uh, Italy beat England 2-1. I'll be talking a bit more about England um, specifically in a moment. But it was a great game. And basically, I don't feel too bad about the defeat. Because on one hand, I kind of expected it. And on the other hand, um, I also I, I thought that England played pretty well. And that kind of takes the edge off the defeat somewhat. If England had played really badly, like they did in the 2010 World Cup finals, for example, in a sort of disappointing and moody performance, then uh, I would have been a lot more annoyed. But they seemed to play well. They looked good. It could have gone either way. England could easily have beaten Italy. It just turns out that Italy, you know, just scored one more goal than us but it was a very good game a very close game um the la the latest thing to 
The latest thing to rile up the London tabloids is the relatively tame story that England manager Roy Hodgson once accidentally called Italian midfielder Andrea Perlo a dickhead. Apparently this is all over the English tabloids that once, apparently Roy Hodgson, who's the the manager of England, apparently he once called Perlo a dickhead. Perlo, who is a, a free kick genius said that Hodgson called him Perla, which translates to dickhead in Italian. Um, So this is apparently what he said once to him when he managed Perlo at Inter Milan in 1990. So it sounds like a misunderstanding. Hodgson denies it. Anyway, on the field, England's youthful squad looked good in a 2-2 warm-up draw against Ecuador and could upend the nation's for once low expectations. So, um, um, basically, it seems that the nation of England has fairly low expectations for the team this year, which is kind of a good thing. I'll talk about more. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Uruguay, meanwhile, has one of the best attacking trios in the tournament in Diego Forlan, Edison Cavani, and the guy who beat out Toure for PFA player of the year this year Luis Suarez oh yeah Costa Rica is in this group too but the writer doesn't have much to say about him so there we go there's an idea of group D Uh, I'll talk to you more about England in a moment we're going to come back to that group E okay who's in group E we've got France we've got Switzerland we've got Ecuador and we've got Honduras At the moment, France are are at the top of this group with three points. Uh, Switzerland are second, also with three points. France are ahead on goal difference. Then we've got Ecuador and then Honduras. Uh, France, as it stands, France beat Honduras quite convincingly. um, And uh, they're looking good. Let's let's read uh, what this writer has to say about Group E. Who is the writer, by the way? Let me just read you his name. Jeremy Stahl, writing for Slate dot com slate.com is a a well-respected website um okay talking points group e is the most boring of them all apparently the most interesting team here is france but they will be missing star frank ribery who suffered a pre-tournament back injury there's a bit of controversy around uh, the fact that Ribery is not in the tournament. Some people say that he could be if he'd taken certain medical treatment, but he chose not to. Um, some people say that maybe this is the influence of uh, his club team, Bayern Munich. We don't really know. The fact is the French kind of miss Ribery and they, they're all scratching their heads thinking, why isn't he in our team? He could be. He could have chosen to be in the team. He could have chosen this medical treatment. He would have been able to play. He chose not to. Why? What's going on? Uh, France heads into Brazil feeding off the confidence from an 8-0 demolition of Jamaica in a pre-tournament friendly. Now, I saw the goals on TV, and to be honest, it looked like a pretty easy victory for France. Uh, The Jamaicans looked like they were just standing around. They didn't seem to be defending much. A lot of the goals were were, um, possible just because the French players were given so much space. Um, Also, this game, this warm-up game was played in the south of France, against Jamaica, a team not in the competition. So you kind of think to yourself, well, that's rather an easy game to play as a warm-up to the World Cup, uh, playing Jamaica uh, not on the continent, you know, not in South America in the difficult climate conditions. But nevertheless, you know, I'm not taking anything away from their victory. It was, you know, very convincing 8-0 
destruction of Jamaica. Uh, the breakout star on the French team could be Antoine Griezmann, who came into the Jamaica game as a substitute for the last 20 minutes and tallied two goals and an assist. Off the field, there is the usual drama f- for Les Bleus. The team's manager, Didier Deschamps, is suing French star Samir Nasri's girlfriend after she went on an obscenity-laced Twitter rant attacking Deschamps for leaving Nasri off the team. Oh God, it's the usual sort of arguing, bickering and infighting going on behind the scenes with the French team. Not as bad as it was last year, uh, last year, last time uh, in the 2010 World Cup when basically it seems that all the French players just sort of threw all their toys out of the pram and they had a big hissy fit and they're like, I don't want to play anymore because I'm not happy. All these spoiled uh, overpaid uh, superstar players were not happy for some reason because they didn't like their manager or whatever it was and they all decided they'd go on strike. Yeah, great time to go on strike in the middle of a World Cup. Um, it The French were so unhappy with their team. It was, uh, it was awful. It seems to be happening again a little bit with, uh, it seems that Nasri... Nasri is a French player. He wasn't picked by Deschamps. And Nasri's girlfriend then abused Deschamps, the manager, on Twitter. And now Deschamps is is, uh, threatening to sue her. It's just very, I don't know, it's just very undignified, isn't it? And unnecessary. Is this going to help France win the World Cup? Is this the kind of spirit that we need driving forward towards victory? Doesn't feel like it. Um, Elsewhere in the group, Ecuador has looked strong in pre-tournament warm-ups and could contend with Switzerland for second place. Honduras suffered an embarrassing 4-2 pre-World Cup defeat to Israel and should also and and, and should be the also rans of the group. And if some if someone is an also ran, it means uh, it's used in horse racing when you're listing all the horses that ran in a in a race. Usually it's the first few horses that are the important ones and the other horses at the bottom of the list are ones that also ran in the race. They're not important. They're just confined to the also ran category. So we've got um, Ecuador looked pretty strong, but um, Honduras, you know, were beaten uh, by Israel in, in before the tournament and they should be the also rans of the group. Um Let's see. They were beaten by France, of course, in the um, in the opening game. Historical context: France is the only team in this group to have ever reached the semi-finals of a World Cup. None of the other teams in Group E have ever made it that far. France triumphed at home in 1998 and finished runners-up in 2006. Uh, last time around, though, the team was the joke of the tournament, with players living up to national stereotypes and going on strike. This is much different. This is a much different team, a much younger one that has actually started to inspire a bit of hope back home. Um, let's see. Conversation starter. If you want to start a conversation about Groupie, you could say if Karim Benzema plays anything like he did for Real this year, France could be a World Cup contender. Conversation stopper. Don't say this. If Zidane puts that headbutt thing behind him, France could be a World Cup uh, contender. All right, there's a headbutt story you might know about. Group F. Let's have a look at Group F. Some of you, I can almost feel some of you getting excited. Uh, for some reason, I am, I'm imagining lots of Argentinian people going. Yeah. 
Group F, we've got Argentina, we have Iran, we have Nigeria, and we have uh, we also have Bosnia and Herzegovina in that group too. And um, let's just have a little look-see at what the article says. Oh, I've lost my groups. Hold on a second. Let me just get back to that page. Okay, group... Um, wait a minute. Okay. Fine. Right. Group F, and we have um, 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 okay. All right. Group F. Argentina is one of the tournament favourites and has more star power than even the Brazilians. They have the best player in the world, Lionel Messi, and the most dangerous group of attackers in the co- in the tournament, with Sergio Aguero. Uh, how do you call this? How do you say this name? Angel, An- Angel Di Maria, and Gonzalo Higuain. Right, please apolog- Please accept my apologies for not being able to pronounce their names properly. I know it's very embarrassing, but you know what can you do? Uh, uh, Di Maria especially had a fantastic season for Champions League winners Real Madrid. Argentina's defence is a potential weakness, though. Bosnia is making its World Cup debut, led by Manchester City striker Edin Edin Dzeko, and is slightly favoured to go through out of this group in second place. But the rest of the group is quite close. Nigeria are African champions, while Iran has shown the ability to come up with an upset at the World Cup in the past. What's going on in the groups? Um, In Group F, um, it looks like this. Argentina are first with three points, then Iran with one point. Nigeria are in third place with one point. Uh, Joint, they seem to have exactly the same points and scores as Iran. And then uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina are at the bottom with zero. Argentina beat Bosnia-Herzegovina in in their opening game, 2-1. And Iran and Nigeria both drew, it was a a nil-nil draw. So it's pretty close for the third place position um, at the moment. We'll see what happens there. We've got Argentina versus Iran on Saturday. Nigeria versus Bosnia-Herzegovina on Saturday as well. Um, All right, let's have a look at some talking points regarding Group F. Um, Argentina won the 1986 World Cup after Diego Maradona, considered by many to be even better than Pelé, scored two of the most famous goals in World Cup history in the quarterfinals against England. Still hurts. It still hurts, Argentina. It still hurts. The first, known as the Hand of God, was a blatant handball that the referee missed. He very shortly after scored what has been declared by FIFA as the greatest goal of the 20th century. It was a pretty good goal, okay? Maradona performed poorly as the national team manager at the last World Cup and has been dogged by a long history of health and drug problems. Um, We'll talk more about uh, Maradona and his history later on when we look at the general history of the World Cup. Let's move forward with... um, Let's move forward with Group uh, G, okay? Group G. Uh, Group G, we have Germany, the USA, Ghana, and Portugal. All right, there's already been a bit of drama in that group already with a a dramatic opening game between Germany and Portugal. Let's have a little look-see at uh, Group H. Okay, according to this article, the only thing preventing this from being the least interesting group is the presence of Belgium. What? No, 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 no. That's Group H. Group G. Germany is the second-ranked team 
in the world, according to FIFA, behind Spain and ahead of Brazil, and is a strong title contender. Uh, their striker, Miroslav Klose, needs just two more goals to break the World Cup record of 15 held by Brazil's Ronaldo. Portugal, meanwhile, is led by the other Ronaldo, whose first name is Cristiano. Don't be confused, all right? Two Ronaldos. The Brazilian Ronaldo retired three years ago and has been more known in recent years by his sometimes affectionate nickname as Fat Ronaldo. Right, Cristiano Ronaldo, meanwhile, has a different kind of body body image issue. The kind where you're prone to just take off your shirt for no other reason, uh, for no reason, as he did after scoring a meaningless penalty in the Champions League final for Real Madrid. He he loves to take off his shirt, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a little bit vain, you could say. I mean, some women do say that he's gorgeous and he's got an amazing body, but still, there's no need to keep showing it to us, is there? I mean, you know, half the time I see him I see his body on buses. I don't need to then see it when I'm watching the TV as well. Thank you very much, Ronaldo. Um, there were concerns about tendonitis. That's a kind of an infection in uh, the tendons. You know what tendons are. We've been through that in a recent episode. There were concerns about tendonitis in Ronaldo's knee heading into the tournament, but he dispelled them. He sort of like... Uh, made the rumours go away with an impressive showing in a 5-1 romp over Ireland in the team's pre-tournament warm-up match. The United States and Ghana must hope that Ronaldo and Portugal falter, meaning have problems, if either has a chance at finishing second in the group behind Germany. Uh, All right, we'll go into some historical context a bit later on. Let's move on to Group H. What does Group H look like? Um, we've got, uh, this is the final group, by the way, we've got Belgium, Russia, uh, South Korea, Algeria. Okay. Belgium, Russia, South Korea, Algeria. Oh, by the way, going back to group G, Germany are on top with three points. USA are second also with three points, but, uh, they're just second behind Germany because of goal difference. Ghana and, and Portugal both have zero points. Portugal are at the bottom because they've got minus four in terms of goal difference. That's because Germany beat them 4-0, smashed them 4-0 in their opening game. USA beat Ghana 2-1, all right? So that's how Group G stands. Group H, Belgium, Russia, South Korea, Algeria. And it looks like this at the moment. Belgium are on three points at the top of the table. Russia on one point. Korea on one point. Belgium beat Algeria 2-1 in their opening game. Russia, South Korea, it ended in a 1-1 draw. Okay, let's have a bit of info. Uh, what can you say about Group H? Apparently, the only thing preventing this from being the least interesting group is the presence of Belgium. Wow. Since when did the presence of Belgium guarantee things to be not boring? That's the first time that's ever happened, isn't it? Sorry, Belgium, if you're listening. Belgium has a sort of slightly unfair reputation for being a boring place. Apparently not this time, because they're livening up Group H with the exciting presence of Belgium. Uh, Everyone loves Belgium, apparently, in this tournament. Why? Because they have one of the best goalkeepers in the world, Thibaut Courtois, who helped to lead Atletico Madrid to a shock Spanish title this year. 
and a runner-up finish in the Champions League. So um, their goalkeeper is brilliant, apparently, and he plays for Atletico Madrid. Uh, Atletico Madrid won the Spanish title and they came second in the European Champions League. So he must be pretty special. The team also has several stars from the English League, including Manchester City defender Vincent Company, Chelsea striker Eden Hazard, and Everton's Romelu Lukaku, who has been straining to recover from an ankle injury in recent weeks. Russia, Algeria and Korea all have a shot at finishing second, and whoever emerges will be easy pickings in the tournament's knockout stage. Okay, so it seems pretty sort of... (sighs) Russia, Algeria and Korea all have a shot at finishing second... So it seems that Belgium's the favourite in this group and that, you know, the three other teams all, you know, have a fairly equal chance at coming in second. Uh, But they're not really good enough, according to the writer, to be very threatening in the second round. Okay, Um, pity about that, uh, Russia. I know I've got lots of listeners in Russia. Um, What do you think? What do you think of your team? Do you think they've got a good chance? Okay, so that's how things stand at this point. Uh, after one week of the tournament. I know that anything can change because that's just the way it is in the World Cup, all right? So anyway, there you go. There's some early context. Right, let's move on to section three of this World Cup episode. Let me just see where I am in terms of time. Okay, 48 minutes. You know what I'm going to do, ladies and gents? I'm going to stop here and I'm going to start uh, part two of this episode because I want to talk about England and I know that a lot of people want me to want to hear me talking about England and so I think it's worth sort of devoting the beginning of a new episode to that subject all right so um, you've got your context you've got a bit of background info about uh, the groups and the teams and stuff um, send me your comments I'd like to know that's the end of part one of this World Cup podcast there will be more stuff coming in the future but for now it's goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.co.uk. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.